Welcome to the Scotiabank Saddledome as Flames Talk is coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. It's Friday, March 10th. It's Steinberg and Pike, and we're available wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. Go hit subscribe. Happy Friday, Pike. Hi, Pat. Um, not a happy Friday? Uh, it's been a long day. Okay, it has been a long day for you. Well, let's. Uh, we got lots of on ice to get to this hour. Daily Flames roundtable uh, and and lots of on ice flames conversation to get into. But wanna wanna start off the ice and uh, I want to start in camera uh, because that's where uh, most of Friday. <laughs> that means we uh, have to turn all the microphones off and all the cameras. It'll off. be riveting radio. Uh, I say that only because uh, Friday uh, was the latest monthly event center event center committee committee meeting uh, for Calgary in a brand new arena uh, or a new Calgary event center and no one covers this better than Mr. Pike so where are we because uh, I, I think that the word today or the words today that we heard used that I thought was a significant change of tone uh, the two words absolutely thrilled in terms of where things are going that's how we'll kick off this hour of Flames Talk so they met this morning, Friday morning, like they do every month, but it sounds like things when it comes to a new arena or a new event center, a new place for the Flames to call home, a new place for concerts to be played, so on and so forth. It, at least from yeah. what we heard, sounds like it's moving in a positive direction. Well, this is the uh, the second you know second month in a row they've had meetings, and uh, two gentlemen for, representing CAA Icon were in attendance. Uh, their president Dan Barrett and uh, Art. Art's last name. I wrote it. Art Aaron. Uh, Art Aaron is basically uh, an architect of deals. He's uh, been, you know, in a lot of a lot of big deals, a lot of the, the big stadium deals in the United States uh, last few years. So these are people who know people, and you know, they were on hand in February for for the committee meeting, and you know, they essentially a lot of a lot of city councilors were told to uh, to find a way to uh, to take in today's meeting because they want to have everyone sort of up to date on where the file's going which sounds like a good sign because if there was nothing to update them on they wouldn't have to all be at a meeting and some of them out of town being told oh yeah we'll dial in though so People's ski trips might have been a little bit inconvenienced, but I, it, I think probably for uh, for informational reasons. And you know, we'll see from here. The uh, you know, we had Gary Bettman in here uh, what a couple weeks last ago. Last week was it? Last week or the week? The twenty eighth, I think. The twenty eighth. Okay. So uh, for the for the Boston game, and he, you know, he said that you know he met with the mayor, he met with uh, Sonia Sharp, the the chair of the committee. And apparently things are trending well. He he seems very upbeat, and you know. Uh, Gary Batman's tone when he was here struck me as fairly positive. And he's been, you know, if he doesn't think things are going well, he's not afraid to sort of poke oh, he and will, prod. He will say so if, yeah. if things aren't going so well. So the fact that, he that you know, he was so positive when he was uh, speaking with us and on with you, and, you know, the fact that, you know, that Sonia Sharp, the chair today, said that she's absolutely thrilled with how things are going. And, you know, she was hesitant to really add specifics. She was asked about timeline. She said she didn't want to really put a timeline on it. The key is, quote, getting the deal right rather than sort of getting it done fast. Uh, but, you know, she's very positive about the involvement of CAA icons, said it was probably one of the better things the city's ever done. 
and they've got a good reputation. And now it's just a question of can they deliver on their reputation in a way that the, the city city will be happy with. So you are, are, are more connected on this than I am, no question. And I would never uh, try to suggest that I uh, know more about this than you because I don't. Uh, here are the reasons, though, that I am feeling fairly optimistic about the way things are going. First of all, to hear that from somebody involved with this, um, that is a significant change in tone. Usually it's very cautious. Usually it's very uh, – you don't usually hear terms like that. Uh, even the last month, I, I think the, the only thing that we heard was, yeah, progressing. Uh, whereas this time to, to hear that type of language, uh, that, was, that was positive. But it goes beyond that for me. It's the second thing that you said where city council members were told you don't want to miss that or miss this. That's important. Uh, and that is a positive sign for me. And number three, there have been whispers, and I'm not suggesting these are accurate whispers, but there have been whispers from three or four people that, that I have uh, spoken to or have been quoted just of, oh, there might already be a deal done. Now, I don't believe there is a deal done, but to even be hearing those type of whispers makes me believe that you know we're moving in the right direction yeah. and this isn't if, something that is seven or eight years away if, from getting if, done. If things are an absolute you know, absolute shambles. You don't need to call everyone in and say, you, you got to come to this meeting to find out how bad it's going, you know? So I think that's a good sign. But, you know, also if you look at sort of the, the timelines, I mean, uh, Councillor Sharp mentioned it uh, this afternoon, the, the, the committee has been, been going for about a year now. And about a year in from the last committee, that's when things started really getting going. The, the Flames and CAA icon and the city got back to the table in October. Last time, once they started seriously talking Turkey, it took about four, four and a half months to have a deal. Right now, we're at like somewhere between four and five months, depending on what date you want to use. So compared to where we were last time, we're at about the point where you know i would suggest that we'd be starting to hear these kind of things and the fact that we that it seems like we are is encouraging because you know I, I think speaking for both of us pat we've been talking about this since 2013 i would love to spend my time thinking about and talking about something else it would just be nice we were so close to it because it was what December of twenty twenty one. December thirty first, twenty twenty one is when that's the, when things got blown up. That was that was the last. That was literally if you know if, you, if people want to know how close this was to being done. Basically, if the the, the flames and, and the city had both said, "Yeah, we like the budget. Let's go ahead on by that date." Shovels in the ground, like that's you know they that was how we were basically the last possible turnoff before actually digging a giant hole and putting a hockey arena on it. That's where we were. This is the last possible chance for Christmas to be canceled, and it was canceled at the very last minute. Sure was. So sorry, kids. <laughs> sorry. I guess I guess you're not getting a new arena for Christmas. The uh, are are we still of the opinion or the idea that right around where we're sitting is the area that it's going to be done in this area in the Saddle Dome adjacent area? I would I would be. Very, very surprised, uh, simply because, you know, the, the, the city's working on their downtown redevelopment plan, and a lot of it, you know, involves let's just put cool stuff on the east end of downtown. It's it's connected with a lot of the stuff that's going on in the East Village and a lot of the stuff that's sort of going on, uh, you know, around the city hall area. They're, they're in the middle of uh, starting the redevelopment for Arts Commons, and uh, that'll... You know, that'll be a, a bit of a chore, but it's well overdue. Uh, they have the library. They have the National Music Center. They have the, the new BMO Center 
expansion across the street mm-hmm. for the Saddle Dome where, folks, if you get a chance to, to come to a game, just come a bit early and just gawk at the thing. It looks ridiculous in the best possible way. It's gonna it looks be, really neat. They're going to have the biggest fireplace in Western Canada. Maybe the biggest fireplace in Canada. I might have mis- misread the press release, but it's going to have, you know, in the middle of the hall, a giant fireplace. If you're a big fireplace fan, this is Li- It's literally a big fireplace. But, yeah, they're going to have so many cool things. They're extending 17th Avenue uh, down into Stampede Park. You know, so that's, that's a long way of saying they're putting so much time and money and resources and manpower and brain power into making this part of downtown not just a bunch of parking lots that only really see any kind of activity during the stampede or game nights. Yeah, a few times a week or, or 10 days in the summer. Yeah, they want to make it a happening place so that, that people actually want to come downtown from the suburbs and, and do stuff. And yeah, I mean, you know, it's, I don't think this is going to be the thing that makes their plan work, but I think if the idea is you have about five or six different things you want to do, this is a big piece of it. And that's the reason why anytime someone says, but what about insert area here? I go, ah, unless unless you got some, a magic fairy coming in with a whole bunch of free money, I think it's going where... Uh, like a block north of here. Yeah, and and that's that's where I think it'll be best suited. I just think about you know the fact that they're extending 17th Avenue right into the Stampede grounds, and and that construction's been going on, and that work's been going on for a little bit here. Uh, that's it. It just it gives me uh it gives me an idea of or 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 it reminds me of what Nashville is or could be or you know just different spots that have districts that are downtown and then kind of things extend off that. We already know that 17th Avenue is is Calgary's hotspot, but it's a little further west of where we are right here. So if you can if you can extend that and now you've got the event center and the BMO center and Stampede Park and a vibrant year-round Stampede Park being the start of a 17th Avenue stretch that extends down to when it gets hot between 4th and 5th and beyond. I I, I think that I think that would be really good good for the city and that's it excites me i think it's something that i know there is a lot of discourse and a lot of debate as to you know what the deal should look like for taxpayers what the deal should look like for murray edwards and the flames i i and 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 everybody has different opinions on that and i think everybody's opinion is valid on it i just want to see it however however it ends up working i'm of the opinion that you know for me yeah, I'm okay with my tax dollars being put towards something like that because I think it's good for my city. If you're not okay with that, I understand. Myself, I'm okay with that, but I know there's a lot of discourse on it, so I'm really curious what the deal looks like when it's all said and done. But oh, when the deal gets it, done, I'm just excited for what it could do for I'm, the city. I'm going to be excited when we get numbers because, you know, I think... What, you excited I, about I, numbers? You, look no, at that I don't believe it. But I, I think especially for a lot of people, like, you know, the right. it's been so conceptual outside of the a couple year period but we actually had a deal it's been so conceptual and i think you know being told like you know it, it's like it, i think it's the difference between like being told you know you know you're you're going to get a, get a new car and actually sitting down going to the dealership and getting your hands on actually it becomes real once they have numbers attached to it and yeah. i think you know hopefully it becomes real you know soon uh, you know, there's still. I think the plan is still for them to meet monthly. And you know, if this is any indication, it seems like there's momentum. It seems like everyone's upbeat and uh, and cheerful about it. And hopefully, that cheer results in something happening. So it'd be the. Uh, would we be looking at the second Friday of March for the April rather for the next one? It all depends on uh, the com- people on the committee what okay, uh, what so days are no, available. Okay, okay. I think uh, one of the things that made people at City Hall go, hmm, 
I wonder why uh, this is happening now is uh, the the city council is meeting on Tuesday, and so the uh, the the presentation, the confidential presentation from today. So city meeting, council meets like in three or four days. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So city. Uh, this is the, why I have you here because I don't one, understand these. Things. One of the things that made some of us very suspicious is the idea that they they call a meeting and tell everyone that they be there and. They ha- their the recommendations or I guess the the presentation from the meeting the update is being uh, forwarded on to main council on Tuesday so it's gonna you know it's something that uh, made us think ooh how much is gonna be in there okay. so I I I would have loved to have been a, a fly in the wall but they specifically chose different rooms from us so we can't be flies in the wall yeah they uh, they they swatted you away uh, that's the latest on where we are with a new Calgary event center and a new home for the Calgary Flames. I, I just only ask them if they can just completely either rebuild this room like Bruce Wayne did to Wayne Manor after brick the big brick. fire. Uh, if they can rebuild this room brick by brick or if they can just transplant this room, like uproot it from here we, into the new building, we, we, I'm we, happy we with never, that. You and I never had enough time at the old plans, uh, the, the, the HOK plans from the last uh, iteration of the building to figure out where the hostel lounge should be. The Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge, I think, just needs to be, whether Murray's listening or Gary Bettman's listening or uh, Sonia Sharp is listening, whoever. I just think it needs to be part of it. That's all I'm saying. All, all I'm saying, I hope they don't take you too literally and say rebuild it because what they could do is just tear down the entire building and just leave this little bunker in the middle of a parking lot. No, I don't think that's a good idea either. No, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> uh, it's Pike and Steinberg with you on this Friday edition of Flames Talk. We're underway on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, wanted to start there because uh, I think it was newsworthy on this Friday and and it feels like things are moving in a positive direction when it comes to a new home for the Flames and a new event center in this city. Uh, In their old building, the Flames kick off a two-game homestand Friday. In their current building, which is old, uh, they uh, kick off a two-game homestand against the Anaheim Ducks and it starts off a stretch where Calgary needs to make up some ground here. Anaheim, Ottawa, Arizona are their next three games, and all of them are outside the playoffs. Now, I do add the caveat that Ottawa is basically the East Division, uh, sorry, the Eastern Conference version of the Flames, in that they're four points out with even games played on the team that they're chasing. They are a team now different. Uh, different cycles in terms of where they are in life. The Senators are on the way up and the Flames are kind of at their top in terms of their life cycles, but both teams four points out, so you should be expecting a pretty desperate game Sunday between the Flames and the Senators, but you've got a dreadful team in here on Friday night, and then you've got a very poor Arizona team on the road And I know that the Flames have had trouble with these teams this year. I am very well aware of it. Uh, Some of the worst and most frustrating games of the season have been played against teams in the high 20s, low 30s in the league standings. And that's why I say this is a pretty important three-game stretch. And you don't have very many more mulligans against no-good teams left in you. You have got to beat these teams. 17 games left and you're not above the cut line? I would argue that every game is important now. And... You know, th- there's no such thing as an unimportant game. They have, like you said, they have no mulligans left. I think they also don't have any margin for error. They're going to have to be playing. You know, I-, I would say that if if you're a Flames fan, you're looking to be heartened by uh, by anything. They play desperate hockey 
over the over Monday and Tuesday. Like there was they they played well, but they played desperate and they got what they need to get done. But you know this is this is a period they they set it up for you know had they had they gone over on their road trip, these games mean a lot less because you're further out. Now that now that they've afforded themselves the ability to have these games be important, they gotta they gotta do something with them. And you know it's this has been a team that uh, for better you know I'd say mostly for worse, but they've gotten in their own way sometimes. They've they've you know not so, even so much finding ways to lose, but the ways in which they sort of made life more challenging for themselves. And they have the ability. They have you know like you said three non-playoff teams in here, or I guess two definite non-playoff teams and one bubble team. They have the ability to pop that bubble for Ottawa Sunday. They have the ability to kick Anaheim and Arizona while they're down. And this is the team that hasn't really had that kind of killer instinct in recent years. And this, I can't think of a better time to develop it than, than this week, right? It's, it's, it's a big opportunity for them, and they have failed with a lot of their opportunities to take advantage of situations like this. Now, in saying that, the last time they were in Arizona, yeah, they fell down 3-1 or whatever it was before they came back. What, and, a, and what a weird game. That was a very strange game. And then, then they came back and, and they ran over the Coyotes and, and beat them very, very, um, you know, beat them very uh, emphatically when it was all said and done. So it's not like they failed in every instance to beat teams below them in the standings. But, you know, they've got a lot of these games coming up. And in their final 17, they've got a lot of those games that they have have the opportunity to pick up wins in and to pick up, I don't want to say gimme points, but points that they should be taking. I, I would really like to see them against Anaheim go, like, hit the ice, play with a purpose, and run these guys over. Because, look, Anaheim's got some really good one-on-one skill, and they're a building team, and they can absolutely goal to you. John Gibson's going to get the start against Jacob Markstrom, and Gibson absolutely is capable of of stealing a game and, and making 43 or 49 or 38 or whatever and being the best player on the ice. But don't let him. And, and don't let Zegras be a factor. Don't let McTavish be a factor. Don't let these guys who can, who can be dangerous when you're lazy they can be dangerous when you're not doing the things that are important to take time and space away to kill plays and all that type of stuff yeah they can bite you so don't let them uh go out there and and just emphatically be the better team from puck drop and be nice to see them come out of here with a 5-2 win or a a 4-0 win or something like that it'd be nice to see that type of voting because when the flames are at their best they can be very formidable and a team like anaheim or a team like Arizona, or like if if the Flames are formidable, it should be a pretty lopsided night. Yeah, and well, I'll say this: how how many times a season have we said, "Let's see if the Flames can turn the corner"? Because they've been, you know, I think everyone agree they've been playing below their potential this season. You know, I think Blake Coleman put it well, where he, you know, I think his phrasing after one of the recent games was, "They're a good team that that just can't find ways to win," or I think "Good team that find find ways to lose," and. I think either of those means the same thing. But I think the, the gist of it was, you know, the Flames haven't had that defining run this year. They've, they've been win a couple, lose a couple, and then, you know, unfortunately they've had, you know, the, the longest strings they've had were a five-game losing streak and a seven-game losing streak. Uh, granted, they've managed to find overtime points in those games. But they're, they're in a situation where, okay, like, if they play to their potential, if they play to how people think they can play, and honestly, if they if they – the the phrasing I always like to think of is you got to hold teams accountable to their wins. So they've shown they can play against good teams, take it to them, and you know win. Or if not win, go down swinging. And great. So they have to do that. They have to 
do that repeatedly because otherwise they're just on that yo-yo. The the top when the, when things go up and down. The the slinkies. Slink. Yeah. They're, they're, they're yo-yos. But yeah, they've been they've been sort of an up and down team where they win one and lose teeter-totter? one. Teeter totter. Teeter totter. I think they're. Go. I would call them a teeter totter team because they're saw. Sort of, Pogo stick. Yeah. Like they, they just, you know, they haven't really had, you know, they, they haven't really been able to get their whole team going. They haven't really been able to flip that switch. And, you know, I think we ha- we saw similar things last year. I think the Flames were sort of a, a hot and cold team last season up until uh, the the, uh, the illness stoppage where then they had to come back and play 40 games in 80 days. And they were in a situation where they're like, ooh, well, to, to get this going, you basically have to you have to play every second game or every second day, and you basically have to win two-thirds of your games. And they did that. They were put in a really challenging situation and were basically told told based on the scheduling realities, here's the, here's the reality, you got to figure it out. And they did it. So that's that's why, you know, if, if folks are a little bit skeptical about the confidence sometimes that we show in this group, very recently they were put in a really tough situation and came through with flying colors. And I don't think the team has changed so much that that confidence isn't warranted. Right. But they've also sort of stretched that confidence that people have in them a bit this year based on how hot and cold they've been. So... Flames are likely not going to make any changes from what we saw uh, in their win Tuesday in Minnesota. We're expecting the same line combination, same defense pairings. We're expecting uh, Jacob Markstrom to get the start in net. Well, Markstrom is starting in net. That one, that much you can take to the bank. It was an optional morning skate Friday, but definitely Markstrom going. And everything else looked, I mean, Rizichka, Dewar, and Gilbert will be your healthy scratches, I can tell you that. You know, I mean, you're never 100% sure that the lines will stay the same, but they were at practice on on Wednesday, uh, sorry, on Thursday, and and you would just think they would be. What do we think, assuming that there there would be no changes, and I don't think there is going to be, um, what do we make of the current lines right now? Um, You know, we talked a little bit about this on the roundtable on on Thursday. I'm curious to your perspective on it. You know, with Dubé as the number four center right now, is is that ideal? Richie playing with Huberto and Kadri, is that ideal? Huberto and Kadri remaining together, is that ideal? I'm just, I I, I posted the lines Friday morning in terms of what they're projected to be, and and there's been a lot of people who are not happy with them. So I just, I'm curious (laughs) as to... You're being very charitable in the... Uh, in the way you phrase that, Pat. I mean, it's. I think it's. I don't think I'm being inaccurate, but you know, I posted it, and uh, it's. It's. There were some intense reactions, the, and yesterday as well on Thursday as well when I posted the lines Thursday. I'm just going to see if I can take a look. Uh, it got. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of comments on both of them, like 40 comments and 20. People are not happy. A lot of quote tweets. I don't like this. Or, what do you feel about the lines right now? I I really like the Manjipani Backlund Coleman line. I think they've been yes they've been a consistent positive presence all year. Not very many people are upset about that one. Okay, good. So we're going to start on a positive note. Um, I still I, I wrote about on Flames Nation uh, for, on Friday digging into Jonathan Huberto's usage because he's been playing on his off wing for the last thirty three games. Mm-hmm. And the weird thing is his you know his number his possession numbers his underlying numbers aren't great. They're not terrible, but they're not great. He's scoring which is good. He's scoring more on the right than he was on the left, which is weird, but it's working. Maybe it's a product of the guys he's been playing with, but I think it's kind of interesting that you have a guy who's that good playing on his off wing. Um, I'm not sold on Nick Ritchie. It's only been a couple of games, so I'm, I'm want to give him the benefit of the doubt, but Nick Ritchie so far has been a really nice go-to-the-net goal and a bunch of bad penalties. And can he can he 
turn it around? Can he find a middle ground between those two extremes? Because you know he's he's a guy that you know every he's one of those guys that he got drafted high for a reason for his potential, and he's never quite lived up to it. But he's always shown flashes of it enough that he constantly has teams going. Yeah, we'll take Dick Ritchie. So was he that? I like Pelche on uh, on the Lindholm to Foley line. I really like the speed he brings to that line. You, you know, you could put Pelche anywhere. He's basically the great utility player that they have at their disposal right now. Right. They could they could bounce him around anywhere and be effective. Uh, I'm not sold in the fourth line. I like Dylan Dubé, but he's sort of been hot and cold for me as a center. You know, sometimes he's good, sometimes he's bad. And I love his enthusiasm for whatever you need me to do, but... I think one of the challenges the Flames have had, especially with young players, why did Mangiapane succeed? Granted, Mangiapane succeeded because he's just freakishly good, but he was given a really clear, consistent role, and because he's a winger and you can't put him at center, they've never tried to make him do anything odd, anything that he isn't really great at. And Dubé has been a really good energy winger. I think the Flames system really relies on your fast winger on the forecheck. Uh, they have a Pelche who does that well. They have a Mangiapane who does that well. Dubé, when he's on the wing, does that well. Coleman's really good at it. You know, they have a few guys who are really effective at that, and I'm just not sure if I love the the mix of players and roles and player types that they have right now, outside of, obviously, the, the backland line. I just, the, the one area, because what, what I like to see Walker Tour with a little more opportunity, sure, because I think he's been good, but I don't think that that is the difference between them making the playoffs or, or missing the playoffs. Um, the the area that I am really shut up Siri. Um, look, <laughs> I don't, I do not verbally abuse people, but I will verbally abuse Siri. Okay, um, I really want Dylan Dubé back in the top nine. I think that's where he is suited best. I I understand they want a little speed down the middle. I understand that they really are are looking to develop him as a center. I get all that, but right now I, I think this team is better I, with him I, I don't as think, a top nine. Forward. I don't think you have the opportunity to develop guys when you're 17 games left and you're fighting for your playoff lives. It seems I understand the impulse and I generally agree with it. I think giving him some the ability to have more tools at his disposal makes it more versatile, makes the team harder to play against. I'm just not sure if this is the right time to be going, yeah, let's let's try him out. I mean, he'll, you know you know Dylan Dubé. He'll give you his level best. He's going to try his, his backside off to be a good center. Of course. But he says that, you know, he's. I think he just, right now, I think he helps the team most on the wing. And playing, you know, 14, 15 minutes a night as opposed to 12 minutes a night. It's, it doesn't seem like a lot, but that's a, that's a significant chunk of time um, that, He's now not playing because they've taken him off the power play, and he's now playing number four minutes as opposed to top nine minutes. So, um, yeah, I, I, that's the one area that I would like to see uh, change. And just one last note before I hit the text line. The Flames organization has made a trade today. You say, what? What are you talking about? Uh, it's the, the it's NHL, a very important trade. The, uh, the week after the NHL trade deadline, one week later they made a trade. They did, and here's why. It's an American League trade, but it's a trade involving a guy on an NHL contract. So they <laughs> have acquired uh, defenseman Christian Rubens from the Ottawa Senators. Um, he is a big defenseman, left-shot defenseman, who has spent all year with Belleville in the American League, but he's on a NHL two-way deal. So that means the Flames have to be the team that make the transaction. They did it for future considerations. He remains in the American League, and he reports to the Bell- uh, Sorry, to the Calgary Wranglers. He is 
ineligible to play in the NHL because he was acquired after the deadline. But really, uh, a few things there. Number one, gives him an opportunity to look at a guy that I think they've had interest in for quite some time. Uh, he's a big body left shot defenseman who is a two-year former member of the Medicine Hat Tigers. Did you know where he played his junior hockey before he came over to the Medicine Hat Tigers? There's a Flames connection. Wasn't it uh, Vesteris? Vesteris. Where Backlund's from? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he's uh, so so they, they've had, I think they've had their eye on him for a little while, so they were able to make that deal happen. And uh, on top of that, it's a Dennis Gilbert replacement down yeah. there for them because Gilbert's not going back to the American League. He's in the NHL for the rest of the season. Yeah, they, they've been deal. I think they've had a couple guys banged up uh, down there. They've you know brought in uh, some bodies from the CHL, but I think they also want to have some guys with a bit more seasoning to them. And you know, Rubens has been you know he's big. He's a you know his offensive numbers don't jump off the page, but he is kind of what he was in the Western League. He's he's got some size. He's got some heft to him, and he's not afraid to battle. And you know, if, especially. Especially if you're heading into what the Wranglers are hoping is going to be a very long playoff run, uh, you know, it's it, there's no better time than uh, than now to sort of give them a little bit of uh, of beef to uh, to help out around the net because you know they're 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 only going to be as good as their goaltending allows them to be and you know, having some guys to uh, keep guys out of Dustin Wolf's face seems like a good idea. Coincidentally, Pat, on Friday, this is the earliest possible day the Wranglers can clinch a playoff spot. That's right. They're yeah. uh, they're playing the Ontario Rain. So that'll be. So there's a lot of stuff going on this week. There is uh, balls. Uh, not balsers. Uh, Rudolph Balsers, completely different person. Different Latvian. Uh, Christian Rubens. They're both both Latvian. Uh, he is a six five two twenty seven left shot defenseman. That's who they brought into the organization at the American League trade deadline on Friday. And, One, and you know what went the other way? Future consideration. You know, as as our producers Cam and Taylor have been joking, you know that future considerations real suitcase. You know, the, 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 the considerations family is really considerate, so I give them a lot of I give them a lot of credit for being able to stick with future. Now have all have of there this. been any trades in the NHL where future considerations get traded for future considerations? Not yet. Not that we've we already know of. we've already made some NHL history this year. It's true. Uh, I want to read you a few texts on what we've di- uh, dove into already uh, this hour on Flames Talk at 960-960 if you're listening live with us. Gene says, I'd be interested to see Dubé, Kadri, and Manchapani together. Maybe I I don't I like Manjapani with Coleman and Backlund. You'll have to pry that line from my cold dead hands. Uh, I think is uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to Charlton Heston that line. Um, Big Mike says, "Oh, good, Nick Ritchie's in the lineup. Walker Dewar should be in." Um, what else we got here at nine sixty nine sixty? Tyler and Bones says, uh, "Happy Friday, boys. Love your show. Love the positive energy and attitude. Uh, but the one consistent thing this team has been able to do all season long is to let themselves and their fan base down when it seems like an easy win or when they're in a must-win situation. Uh, I'm not getting my hopes up with this team until they string at least five wins together, and then I'll be all in yet again." That comes from Tyler in Bones. Um, Mike says this is the this next stretch is the Flames' best chance to finally win more than three games this season, which they do have an opportunity to win three in a row for just the third time this year yeah. on Friday and match their longest winning streak. Um, this says the Ducks are frauds. Uh, this says, has Huberto played with Lindholm and Toffoli since the eighth game of the season? Yes. Uh, yes, they did put him back together, I want to say, in like November and then again in December. Yeah, I think he came back, they put him with Backland and a rotation of Lewis and 
Coleman for a bit, and then after about ten games of that, he went back to the other line. That's correct. That's that's right. Um, I, I have a whole chart. Uh, I believe you. <laughs> and this on the arena talk that kicked off the hour. Boys, call me pessimistic, but I will not believe anything until the shovel's actually in the ground. There's been too much discussion and not enough action. And yes, I do understand that line of thought. It's Pike and Steinberg with you as this hour of Flames Talks underway. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems Hot Stove Lounge. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basement deep. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. You're locked on Flames Talk, only on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, happy Friday. It's time for your Daily Flames Roundtable, brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Steinberg, it's Ryan Pike, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, joins us to complete our Daily Flames Roundtable. Um, Guys, let's uh, start with Jacob Markstrom, who gets the start Friday against the Anaheim Ducks, his fifth consecutive start and sixth consecutive appearance if he continues to play the way that he's playing if he continues to exhibit the straight uh, the the traits rather of a clear number one goaltender what's uh he got 17 games to go what's a realistic number of starts for jacob down the stretch here i would add one more asterisk to okay. that if the flames remain in contention for a stanley cup playoff right. spot 17 Honestly, they've got two back-to-backs left. One is the easiest back-to-back in the NHL going from Los Angeles to Anaheim, talking about a bus ride. The other back-to-back is a little bit tougher. Uh, you go uh, from Calgary to Winnipeg, but not terrible. You know, two-hour flight. So Going to Winnipeg. Going to Winnipeg. <laughs> last place I was. Um, Honestly, guys, if he keeps playing the way he's been playing, and during the last six-game stretch, even though there have been a couple of games where the guys weren't very good in front of him, a 2.59 goals against average and a 9.15 save percentage. And not that long ago, Pat, you talked about, well, if Jacob Markstrom can have a 9.10 save percentage, not over the course of the season, but from this point forward, the Flames are going to be in much better shape. So, you know, he's done that and more and is playing his best hockey of the season right now. Coming off his first shutout in almost a calendar year, his first shutout in 61 games, he was outstanding uh, on Tuesday night in St. Paul, Minnesota in that one nothing shootout victory over the Wild. He's the guy, and I'm so glad that Daryl Sutter finally picked one of the guys, and I think he picked the right guy. Uh, it's easy to say that now, but I felt that way before. Jacob Arkstrom was given an opportunity to take the ball and run with it, but uh, there, there's... Really no need to go to Dan Vladar schedule-wise. So if Jacob Markstrom continues to play at a high level, I think they're going to ride him as long as they're in a playoff race and as long as they can. Yeah, Derek, I, you, you, you go out and you get a Jacob Markstrom, so you have a Jacob Markstrom for stretches like this. And, you know, they're, they're going to go as far as he can carry them. You know, I think, I think we've seen that from, from the two goaltenders this year. When, when Markstrom's good, he's the guy who most consistently gives them a chance to win games. And, you know, I'd say, 
you know, you, you keep an eye on, on sort of his, his fatigue level, especially for those back-to-backs. Maybe, you know, figure out a way to, you know, maximize his rest, give him days off, bring, you know, bring up an e-bug or something to uh, to help out for practices and stuff. But Why are you obsessed with e-bugs? I just think it's fun. Uh, prior, <laughs> if, prior to the round table starting, Pike was frothing at the mouth <laughs> with a, a, an emergency backup in Chicago. Bring up an night. e-bug. Like, oh. But the, 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 the idea is... Do you is, need a it's, cigarette, it's, Pike? It's up to them to get the most they can out of Jacob Markstrom right now. And, you know, I'd say... Cold may, Maybe, like, if you tell me he st- starts all 17, I go, okay. If, if he starts all 17, that probably means that something good's happening, right? So, I mean, in le- unless the wheels completely fall off the, 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 the bus and they, they have to re- reassess things, I think you, you might as well ride him until you can't ride him anymore. Yeah, and Pat, even if he does play in the next 17 games... Yeah. That'll get him to 61 games in the season, two or fewer than he played last year. Now, it's a lot to ask. Don't get me wrong, but I also don't think it's out of the realm of possibility if he keeps playing at the level he has and if this team stays in the race. It's why you go out and get a guy who has Vesna capabilities. He was the runner-up last year for a good reason. He was very good. And, you know, if if he's back in that zone or close to it, you kind of owe it to the team to, to ride him, right? Pike, uh, you need me to make you a sandwich? Good good job, by the way, and completely ignoring me while I was uh, trying to distract you. I give you credit for that. Um, I, I, I think 17, sure, realistically, I think it might be better to go closer to, like, 15 if he continues to play the way that – I know they're all going to be must-wins, but – it's not like Dan Vladar is, is some guy that hasn't proven he can win, and it's not like Dan hasn't shown them that, especially in the role as the backup, that he can't get the job done. And I think that you still do want, is, as much as you want to heavily ride the guy, that if he continues playing like this, you want to keep going back to him. I just think you also still need to manage workload, even in a stretch like this. And if it was a different guy, if it was a different goaltender, if you had less trust in him, um, if we were talking about an unproven or a very so-so backup, I'd feel differently, but I think you can trust Vladar to even in this kind of must-win last month and a half of the season to still give him a couple of starts. So I, I, I don't know if I... I, I don't know if I would be just ready to go every single night from here on out. I think you'd still be looking to get him a couple of nights off so that I'd much rather have Jacob at say 100% over 15 games as opposed to maybe if you overwork him he's at 85% over 17 games so I I think that there's still some workload to be managed but a heavy 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 workload is still what I think you should expect yeah and again asking him to start the next 17 games is a stretch I understand that but they're in a position where they don't really have a lot of room left for error they can't lose all that many more games between now and the end of the regular season. And who knows? Maybe they fall out of it, or maybe the Jets fall right off a cliff and the Flames don't feel like they're playing yeah. do-or-die hockey every single game between now and the end of the regular season. We'll have to wait and see how it plays out, but Jacob has only played in 44 games this season. That is a small workload for a guy who played in, if I'm not mistaken, 60, 60, and 63 games the last three seasons, respectively. So uh, I don't think it's uh, crazy. Uh, Then again, I wouldn't bet on him starting and finishing the next 17 games. You've got those two back-to-backs. Again, the one going from Los Angeles to Anaheim is as easy as it gets. Uh, that other one from Calgary to Winnipeg is a little bit tougher, but uh, 
Uh, the game against the Jets is, uh, at this point, uh, setting up to be your biggest game of the season. So you're going to go with your better goaltender in that one. So we'll see how it plays out. But I think it's fun that we're having this conversation because we wouldn't be if Jacob Markstrom uh, hasn't been playing the way he's been playing. Yep, no doubt about it. Uh, Daily Flames Roundtable, if you do see him a lot down the stretch, that's probably good news for the Flames in a lot of different ways. Uh, he's Derek Wills. He's Ryan Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Guys, uh, we have not talked a lot about uh, Mackenzie Weger, at least on this show. He uh, He's playing some really good hockey right now and, and really feels like he's starting to come into his own as a member of the Flames. What are we seeing right now from Weger and what are we seeing, especially the last number of weeks or so? Yeah, I see a guy who is looking more comfortable than he has at any point in time this season. More comfortable and more confident, I would say. And I think he's looked good with all of his partners, but I think he's looked really good playing in a pairing with Rasmus Anderson, which for me is the Flames' top defense pairing. Anderson's their number one guy, but having said that, I think Uyghur's been their best guy for two or three weeks now. And it's not all about the goals and assistant points for me. And it was probably unrealistic for us to think he was going to have the type of season this year that he had last year when he had a career-high eight goals, 36 assists, and 44 points in 80 games with the Panthers uh, so far this season. Only the one goal, but uh, to go with 19 assists and 20 points in 64 games. But it's uh, the pace that he plays with and the physicality that he plays with. Uh, Believe it or not, and this might surprise some because... For most of the season, Nikita Zadorov led this team in hits. And when he throws a hit, it tends to be a big hit that gets the oohs and the ahs from fans here at the Saddledome or elsewhere. Mackenzie Weger leads this team in hits. He's got 148 this season. So, you know, he's a guy who plays with some bite, so with some edge. And that's been a nice development for the Flames uh, on the back end where they maybe haven't had enough of that to outside uh, of him and Zadorov this season. But... Coming in, we thought he had the potential to be a first-pairing guy because that's what he was the last two seasons with the Panthers when he was playing uh, on a pairing with Aaron Ekblad. Well, he didn't start as a first-pairing guy, but he's turned into a first-pairing guy, and I think he's getting better and better and better as the season moves forward. Yeah, and I, I think the the thing that a lot of folks in the analytics community were excited about for the Flames when Mackenzie Weir came over here is that he's so good defensively. And he stabilizes a lot of things when he's on the ice. Like, I think the the fact that his offense has started to get going now might be a product of the fact that he's getting power play time. And, you know, he's he's in a situation that's sort of, a, for lack of a better term, a bit more of a controlled situation where he can do a bit more things with the puck in the offensive zone and sort of get those reps in and get a bit more comfort. And I think we've seen him become much more confident in moving the puck and playing with the puck over the last little while. And couple that with a playing with a guy like Rasmus Anderson who's so good at so many different things especially you know playing with the puck and and you know making things happen with the puck and when you have couple that with Uyghur's ability to just be a suffocating shutdown defenseman at times you know you can if you're the Flames you can trust those guys out against anybody who the other team can roll out and I think if you're if you're the Flames I mean you know Pat and I you know talked to the prior segment about how much we we both like having that backline line because you have the backline Mangiapane Coleman line is your your safety blanket you can throw them out you're always going to get reliable minutes and they allow you to sort of you know dictate the game a bit 
I think Anderson and Weigert becoming that for the Flames, where you can put him in any game situation, any score, any opponent, and they will stabilize whatever's going on the ice for the team. And that's something they I don't think they've had really throughout the season until right now. Looks really good, guys. He he is. A lot of people have talked about some of the defensive things that he does. And, you know, you watch him. He's got one of the best sticks on the team. He does a – this team under Daryl Sutter and the way they want to play away from the puck, it is so predicated on killing plays. Mm -hmm. And and they talk about Kirk Muller and Ryan Huska and Daryl Sutter and Kale McClain talk to us all the time about killing plays. And and basically what they mean by that is stopping an offensive possession or stopping a a breakout of their own zone. And and so important on those killing plays is good stick positioning – and so Uyghur does that well, but he's also really good at, at being able to get his stick. On. It's not just the positioning, but it's the hand-eye. He's one of the better guys on the team in being able to knock things down and and make sure that, you know, if they're trying to exit the zone, he's good at keeps. And he's really good if you watch on the, on the half boards and behind the net of whether it be body positioning and taking the body to stop a cycle or getting his stick on a rim and, and being able to get possession back Calgary's way and his up pass is good too and so what we're seeing now that stuff's been there for most of the season and now as he's gotten more comfortable and, and maybe it is because he's playing with Rasmus I know he's talked about feeling really comfortable with him um, or or maybe it's just hey he's got three quarters of a season under a new coach and a new team but now we're seeing this guy step up in the offensive zone way more often we're seeing him moving into the high slot area and giving himself quality scoring opportunities because of I think uh, an added amount of confidence and comfort yep. so I, I'm really liking what we're seeing and he's doing all this plan on his offside and I think the long-term plan for the team still is to get him on his right side on a more permanent basis so I'm really liking the way things are trending with Uyghur and you know I know it hasn't gone quite the same way for his Florida compatriot in Jonathan Huberdeau but I think Uyghur is a, a good example of more and more comfortable you get, the more and more you can look like the guy the Flames went out to acquire when they got him in July. The one thing I wonder about him playing on a strong side is how do you make that happen? Because you've got Rasmus Anderson and Chris Tanev on the right. So they're both going to play in your top four. So how do you find a spot? Maybe it's after next season if you don't bring Tanev back. But uh, short term, obviously, it, it it's not going to happen unless there's an injury long-term. Maybe it, it does in a year or so, but I'm not sure it will before that. I would add that Noah Hannafin, who I think's all in all had a really good season, his play has dropped off a little bit for me of late. So I wonder if that has something to do with the fact that he's playing with a new defense partner in Chris Tanna because him and Rasmus Anderson have spent so much time together. And then the newest Flames defenseman, Troy Stetcher, for me, he's almost a Mackenzie Weger light in the way that he plays the game. Both guys skate well and play with pace. Both guys are good, uh, at, to your point, Pat, at killing plays. And both guys battle. You know, if, if a guy gets stuck up the ice, and we've seen this all season long with Stetcher, and we've seen it in the last uh, handful of games uh, with Stetcher, is they battle to get back, and they'll engage in battles and, and win more of their fair share of battles. So uh, Stetcher's been a nice ad and uh, plays a similar style, at least in my opinion, to the one that Uyghur does. And I think the Flames' uh, six on defense right now is 
is looking better than it has for a while, and that's no disrespect to guys who have been slotted in there that uh, are now out of the lineup, but uh, the group's looking pretty good of late. I, I think when Dennis Gilbert is your seven, that means you got your, a good team. your five, six yeah. is pretty good. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he's Derek. He's Pike. I'm Pat. That's your Daily Flames Roundtable. Brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's funny, before we hit our best bets, uh, you know, Derek brought up the point there about, you know, how does that happen? How does he get to his strong side? And, and I think it is the long-term plan, but I don't think it's something that is necessarily knocking on the door even for next season. But I do think long-term, a la in the, the better part of his eight-year contract that hasn't even started yet, we could see this. And this text comes in, and it's kind of a, a reason that, that I think it could. So this is, says, Uyghur's been the best defenseman on the team for two or three weeks, in my opinion, since Anderson and the Scooter. Realistically, I viewed the acquisition and extension as a long-term replacement for Tanev in a couple of years when Tanev's body slows down too much. And here's the thing. Chris Tanev is an unrestricted free agent after next season. I don't know what's going to happen there, but, you know, just knowing how he plays and and it's not completely out of the question that maybe the Flames do say okay like we're, we're going to go in a different direction and maybe there's a way where okay now you move Uyghur over and he's your top pair right side defenseman or or top four right side defenseman because you've got Rasmus and Uyghur there there's a way that that door opens and I'm not saying it's going to happen I'm sure they'd love to be in a spot where they re-sign Tanev and and it makes sense to but at some point, Tanev won't be on this team, and Uyghur will be, because Uyghur signed for eight years starting next year. So that that's one of the ways that Uyghur long-term on his right side could end up happening. It just doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen in the near future, but long-term, I think it remains the plan. Yeah, and, you know, it's uh, the Flames, I think one of their big organizational challenges they're going to have to get to is they don't have a, a lot of up-and-coming, promising young defensemen. So, you know, for the time being, they're going to have to sort of make do with what they have at the NHL level and try to fill in gaps the best they can. And, you know, Dennis Gilbert's been really good at that. Beyond him, you know, they have a couple guys in the front system who might take a little while. So I think it's going to be a lot of those kind of shuffles, like sort of trying to figure out moves for fit and moves for stylistic reasons more so than value. This text says it's reassuring to see Uyghur coming into form given their cap situation. There's going to be a lot of change, and if Uyghur can prove to be a stable force, that'll be very important. Good point as well. Great stuff on the text line this hour at 960-960. He's Ryan Pike. My name is Pat Steinberg. Cam and Taylor have been our producers, and it's time to wrap up this hour with your Flames Talk Best Bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18+. plus. Play responsibly, and here's what we got for your Friday night. By the way, we went two for two on Thursday, so uh, we're, we're looking for a fifth consecutive week of uh, being in the black, so we got uh, two for two on Thursday. Uh, we hit Roman Yossi over three and a half shots, and we hit Anders Lee over two and a half shots, so we hit both of them on Thursday. What do we got on Friday? Well, I'm liking Tyler Toffoli all day. This is one of my biggest no-brainers of the year. doesn't mean it's a guarantee, but he's one of the top shot metric guys on the team he's going up against the shot bleeding Anaheim Ducks and right now his total set at two and a half shots so I'm going multiple units on Tyler Toffoli over two and a half shots versus the Ducks and also Sam Bennett of the Panthers I'm going Bennett over two and a half shots when Florida takes on Chicago so two best bets to wrap up the week over two and a half shots to Foley over two and a half shots 
Bennett. That'll wrap up this hour, and those are your Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly. <laughs> 